How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jetsy. Tim, it's good to see you, sir. How are you? Uh, it's pretty good, pretty good. Not the longest break we've ever had, but definitely a few weeks. For sure, man. Now, so, given that we were supposed to be back last week to do today's episode, but instead, we postponed it for a week. Yeah, it's just, we were supposed to do two episodes last week, one on a different podcast, one on this one, but uh, I was just dead, to be honest. Mm-hmm, and well, even when I talked to you, like, a couple of days afterwards, you said that, you know, you just needed to crash for several hours, and then you felt fine. Yeah, I just needed to die. <laughs> for sure. So, Tim, we've got a few things we got to talk about before we go into today's episode. Now, today's episode is... The first of many off-season episodes. So today's episode... going to be fun. It is. Today's episode, we're going to be looking at our top five actual good things from the 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators. But before we do that, we got to recap a few things. First of all, uh, thank you to everybody who got a chance to listen to the second season. And a big shout-out once again to Kelly Gibbs-Barton from That Hockey Lass who came on for our second half recap. I thought she did a great job. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from people regarding that. And I feel we should probably bring her back to the show, Tim. Honestly, it was a ton of fun. It's always good having someone else on the show, but I felt like it was a fun dynamic to have. Yeah, I'd definitely be up to have her back. For sure, man. And he was so nervous about screwing it up, too. It was. But you know what? And, and I said the same thing to her. I said, you know what? We were the same way when we first started. And all we could really do was just to try and calm her nerves and try and simplify it so we're not overcomplicating things for her, given that it was her podcast debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll just start talking about Silicon Nutsacks more. So, Tim, now you did make a reference of this a few moments ago, that we appeared on a different podcast on the Third Life Plug Sensecast. And last week... Because we only got to do one episode, we appeared on the episode 33, the Dustin Bufflin slash Don Polpre edition of the Three Goes No Eight, Four Goes podcast. Always a great time to be back on the podcast, and yeah, it was just a great time. It was a good time to be back with Adam and have some good conversations. I don't know where the hell the whole Target conversation and all that went, but... Yeah, no kidding. Like... Did that come... I think that came out of the fact that he was talking about some abandoned mall. That's right, yeah, because he was talking about the... There was an abandoned mall in Calgary. And he asked if you had gone there, and then we ended up talking about Target. Mm-hmm. Which led to Canadian oh, Tire. Yeah. And Zellers. Man, they're going to be talking about Target forever, though. Holy shit. Oh, I know. And actually, now that I think oh. about it, I should actually send Adam that link regarding... 
uh, that episode I was talking about. Now, the reason why we appeared on the Three Ghosts to Wait, Four Ghosts podcast, not just because we wanted to talk to Adam and, you know, we hadn't talked to him for a while. We were on the show for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. There, and, that- and there is a certain somebody that we have been hinting at and referencing to in the last couple of weeks of this season. So we're going to make the formal announcement here as well. Alert, 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 alert. Tim, I don't know what to tell you. I am so proud and so honored to finally announce that TSN 1200's Ian Mendez will be appearing on the podcast next week for an exclusive interview. Yeah, I really don't know what to say about it either. It's uh, crazy that we've got one of the biggest names in Ottawa sports on the show. Well, just one of the biggest bigger names in the Canadian sports media landscape, too. Yeah, it's... Honestly, it's crazy, but yeah, I'm relishing the opportunity to sit down and do a good interview with the man. For sure, man. And you know what? This is going to be one of the biggest interviews we've ever done, and you and I are both excited, and we've we've got the interview written up. We're all ready to go. I will talk to Ian later this week. So we can finally nail down a time that we're going to be doing it for. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. And uh, I think it's going to be a real good one, so please listen. (laughs) Oh, please. I mean, you know, this is the biggest interview we'll ever do at the the time. So, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, it's time to look at our top five actual good things from the 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators. Now, the reason why we're doing this episode today, not only because this is something that we want to talk about, given the season of negativity, you know, because when you look at better, right? Our favorite players got traded out of town. Ubergate happened. Eugene Melnick calls out Ian Mendez. Everything happens. But even in the shitstorm that has been this past season... There has been some actual good things to come out of this season. Not many things, but there were some things that came out of this season. Now, if you don't mind, Tim, I just want to take a moment here, and I'll talk about my top five to start it off, turn us off. At number five, I am going to go with winning the Battle of Ontario for the 2018-2019 season. Now, the reason why I'm putting this at number five is that we knew coming into the season this was going to be tough. And the thing is that Ottawa's play earlier, early in the season gave the fans some optimism, especially with the play of Thomas Shabbat, especially in his first meeting with the Battle of Ontario, that it really gave us some optimism that this season was going to go well. A false sense of hope and optimism, but, you know, optimism. And the reason why I'm also putting up this list is because, once again, the Leaf fans invaded the Canadian Tire Centre with their pro-Leaf propaganda and toxic behaviour. And we also can't forget that the man who cemented himself as the Bud Buster, Magnus PRV, scored five goals in three games. Two games where he was he had two goals. And we also like to point out we won three out of four meetings. Yeah, and it's even funnier that Toronto is sold as this uh, cup favorite uh, team to beat. And uh, they can't deal with the absolute worst team in the league. That's sold off all... And remember, two of those wins came after Ottawa sold off all of their players. Like, it's just really, really funny. It is. And if I don't know if you've noticed, but the last couple of seasons, whenever Toronto has played Ottawa, 
Toronto seems to always play down to us. We always look at this team and be like, really? Like, this team's a cup contender? Like, dude, they can't even beat us. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's a team that has a bad habit of playing down and or just not really playing full games, like uh, uh, breaking the kayfabe to kind of reveal what day we did, we're recording this on. Uh, the, the game, yes, game six yesterday against Boston, they didn't show up. No. And if it wasn't for Frederick Anderson, they would have been, it would have been easily 8-2. Eight, eight like, that's just how bad the Leafs for that game. It took them, it took them two periods to get 10 shots. Like, it was, it was bad. That's true, man. I mean, if it was any worse, you could have been the Sharks-Vegas Golden Knights game from last night where Vegas had 60 shots and still lost. Yeah. Well, at least the team that was playing well won. So there's that. True. Although, I I mean, I would go on record to say that I think Vegas played better last night, but I don't think that's the game we're talking no, about, is it? Boston played the shit out of Toronto. Sorry, Boston played the shit out of Toronto and won. Yeah, because they're they, built for the playoffs. That's why that they have been able to elevate their play to tie the series at three. Because I watched Game yeah. Five; that was a terrible game Boston played. Mm-hmm. It's funny that 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 series is weird because it alternates between one team. It's basically each team alternating laying an egg. But uh, we're getting a bit sidetracked here with uh, the fact that. Yeah, that it's a Toronto team that just never shows up, and for whatever reason, they never show up in when they play Ottawa. For sure, man. Moving on to number four, Tim, I'm going to put the play of Anders Nilsson and Anthony Duclair. Now, as mentioned in our second half recap, I had little to no expectations on either player. However, I did say that I was skeptical in Duclair, given that he had flamed out with a number of teams. Duclair... After 21 games, had 8 goals, 6 assists for 14 points since being traded for Ryan Dezingle. To me, he was Ottawa's best player some nights, and I hope that he does get re-signed because I do feel that his play has justified him getting re-signed with the Senators. Anders Nilsson, he was a 500 record, 914 save percentage. Given that we were talking about the Leafs a few moments ago, I feel he did steal some games for us, especially that final battle of Ontario. We got outplayed so badly, and I still can't believe we won that game. Well, part of that's also Garrett Sparks is an atrocity on skates right now. But uh, Anthony declares it's hard because during his time, at, like he played fantastically in Ottawa, that's for sure. But uh, dude was shooting the nuts, and there's no way that sort of shooting percentage is sustainable. So I hope that he continues to skate well and get and continues to get into good, better shooting locations. Mm-hmm. Because if he stops doing that, then uh, I imagine his time in Ottawa will start to look more like his time in Chicago or Arizona or Columbus. Yeah, I mean, even if we can still, if he can maintain the certain percentage that would get him maybe 20, 25 goals a season, I would be perfectly happy to keep him around. Mm-hmm. He'll just have to keep on shooting. For sure. At number three, and this was a very easy choice for me to put, Thomas Shabbat's play in the first half. Now, with the departure of Eric Carlson back in September, Thomas Shabbat was instantly Ottawa's number one offensive threat on the blue line. 
And I've said on the show a number of times that during our or during my hockey fantasy league draft earlier this year, I did take Shabbat in the mid rounds, and everybody laughed at me. Everybody says, "Man, why is Taylor taking a guy playing for the Ottawa Senators?" And I remember saying to everybody, I says, guys, he's going to be my sleeper. And his play early on justified me taking him. And even I was looking at the message there three days ago. And he's like, hey, remember that guy who thought Shabbat was going to put up Carlson numbers? Ha, ha, ha. My brother's like, don't encourage him. (laughs) But in the first half, though, Tim, you got to realize, like, Thomas Shabbat recorded 30 points and was in the discussion for the Norris Trophy the thing is, like, nobody expected the production Shabbat was going to bring without Carlson being there. And despite that, he did slow down in the second half after suffering a shoulder injury. And I've made my comments known about Thomas Shabbat in the last several games of the season. But I do feel that his play in the first half justifies his slot at number three on my list. Yeah, no, and I think that the fact that Thomas Shabbat could explode like that still not be the absolute worst defender and still be probably Ottawa's best defender on the ice is fantastic for a 20-year-old. So, uh, honestly, I think uh, sky's the limit for Shabbat because when Shabbat's not on the ice, Ottawa's offense isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Which is, frankly, incredible for a 20-year-old. It's true. I mean, even, and I said this even on the show, that even Carlson at 20, 21 years old was not as explosive as this kid is. Like, Carlson was pretty good, but you can tell that the confidence really wasn't there yet. You can kind of tell, you can see shades of it, but it was not consistent enough to where even we were looking at general going, oh, can this guy really play in the NHL? Like, And even the year prior to him winning a Norris Tro- his first Norris Trophy, he was a minus 30. Now think about that. The guy went from a th- minus 30 to winning two Norse trophies within four years. Like, that's incredible. Although, to be fair, the year he was minus 30, Ottawa was dog, hot dog shit. So you can't really hang too much on a rookie. I don't think he was a rookie at that point. I think it was in his second year. He was a sophomore? Yes. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, sophomore, but still... That team was hot dog shit. True, but his play really didn't help the Senators, though. You could tell that he was a oh, good player, what? but... Like, cut the guy some slack. Well, I like, am cutting him some slack, Tim, but... You know my pity dog plus minus anyway. It's a bullshit team stat that doesn't mean anything about the play of the player. Uh, no, like, 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 definitely, yeah, Shabbat's better, but it's like negative 30 is kind of a meaningless number. Well, Tim, I think that we should just go on to number two on our list. And, you know, given that when we talked back at our 2018 Ottawa Senators entry draft episode, we had some harsh words for the fellow drafted fourth overall. And, you know, I just want to say two things. First of all, Brady, I'm so sorry for what I said. But also, Tim? Yeah? Are you ready, brother?
I'm sorry, Tim. I'll never get tired playing this. Oh, so good. So good. Yes, at number two, Tachaka Mania. And, you know, and like I said, Ottawa fans lost their fucking mind when the Senators passed on Philip Sedina to draft Drake Brady to Chuck fourth overall last June. And overnight, like, Brady to Chuck became an instant fan favorite with a strong play and for throwing the body around. Last season, 71 games, recorded 22 assists, tw- sorry, 22 goals, 23 assists for 45 points, which would have won him the Calder Trophy if not for Elias Pettersson. The one thing I really like about Brady to Chuck is that he was such a breath of fresh air on this team with his overall attitude and his interactions with the fan was such a welcome change of pace after the black guy, the Hoffman situation caused for the team. And I can pinpoint the moment that I became a Tachuca maniac. And that, of course, uh-huh. and we all know about this, it was the four sends young guns talking to Brett Wallace Max LeJoie telling Brett Wallace he called his girlfriend before his parents and let him know he made the sense. It was that reaction. That kills me every time I see it. I'm just like, that is so awesome. Because how many hockey players do you see do that? Never. Just roll their fucking eyes. No, they're just like, (laughs) I saw that. Even Jay and Dan were just killing themselves laughing. It's freaking awesome. And, you know... Even with how bad this season went, Brady Tuchuk really was the brightest spot on this team. And I've said on the show, even in that game versus Arizona where he got beat one-on-one, the Coyotes scored, you could see him put his head down. He goes back to the bench, and Bodker just looks at him and goes, hey, kid, just get out there, play your game, forget about it. And he did that, and I'm watching that, and even I gushed about it. I gushed so hard talking about that. I was like, man... This is why I love this kid, because he doesn't get discouraged when that stuff happens to him. Mm-hmm. And that's why no, I have put Brady to check at number two on my list. Yeah, and it's... The kid's been a little ray of sunshine, even if he's going to be an absolute hellion to play against. Mm-hmm. Like, what did, and, what did Kelly refer to him as? Was it a precious little demon child or whatever it was? Something like that. It was along the lines of he may be an ass, a little asshole, but he's our little asshole. Yep. And I mean, that's really the only way to think about it. It's so true, man. Because you know, just I'm sorry, just thinking about Brady Tuchuk makes me happy. Given that, you know, as much as I like Thomas Shabbat, Brady Tuchuk really was my favorite player last season, and that's not even an argument. Like he was. Hands down, my favorite player from last year. Yeah, and he's just the guy's really easy to root for. Now, I think the hard thing is, is after wait probably two years to really know if uh, Brady Kachuk was the better pick over Philip Sedina, but I, I think at least from a marketing standpoint and uh, player personality, Brady Kachuk's like outward, outward, very happy, very jovial personality managed to breathe some desperately needed positivity into the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will still maintain that I think Philip Sedina will bring more of an offensive upside to the Red Wings than, say, Brady Deschuck brings to the Senators. But I think that if you look at him overall, I'd still say Deschuck brings more to the table outside of the offensive side. Like, he does bring 
a physical presence. He does bring a bit of an agitator to the group. And I know even Brian Fiber Six has said, like, he is our Brendan Gallagher, our Nazem Kadri, our Brad Marchant. Because we haven't had a player like that. We have not had a player like that on the Senators. And even, you could even argue guys like Nick Foligno, because Nick Foligno would always get in front of the net, or Chris Neal, who would always throw his weight around. We have not seen that. We have not seen that on this team with one kid. And that's why, Brady to Chuck, I will always be happy that we drafted him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love the kid. Uh, although, yeah, I do I do like the muckraking, and I think that's something that Ottawa definitely needs. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if players like the Kachuk brothers or Brad Marchand care about a new, a new type of NHL power forward. Because like that type of player has been kind of miss, been missing from the league in general over the last five ten years. Well, I think it, I think the thing is for that is that the role of the power forward has evolved because ten years ago, I mean, the power forward that everybody modeled their game after was somebody like Milan Lucic. That was the guy. Like he he's a big imposing guy. He can run people through the boards. Now look at him. He can still do that, but he has no foot speed. Like, he is so ill-equipped nowadays for today's game. And Jerome McGinley had a lot of good foot speed. So you can say, you can either look at a Jerome McGinley or a Milan Lucic. Mm-hmm. And I think the Kachuk brothers are definitely more Ginlas than Lucic's, that's for sure. For sure. Well, Tim, it's time to talk about the number one entry on the top five actual good things from the 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators. And, you know, one of the big things coming into this season was that we didn't have that first-round pick. And we knew that if we tanked and if we bottomed out, we were fucked. Because there was a pretty damn good chance Colorado was going to get the first pick. And the draft lottery came... Since Twitter was in a frenzy, we were all holding our breath, and Bill Daly said the most beautiful words that we will ever know, Tim. The fourth fourth selection in the 2019 NHL entry draft goes to the Colorado Avalanche. You know what? I think that's very fitting, Tim. At number one, Colorado losing the draft lottery. Oh, that made me so happy that they lost. I'm sorry, but you know, I don't care. That made me so happy, and that's why I'm putting it at number one. Because, and here's a quick little story, Tim. The draft lottery was on the TV in the student center when I was working that night, and I was, you know, paces. I was pacing around the building trying to take my mind off it. And when I saw the TV screen, the fourth pick, and the cards flipped over to the Colorado Avalanche, I just went, fuck yes! Yeah! I said it loud in front of the students. Oh, oh shit, I just swore for the kids and I walked away. Like, oh, I was so happy. Oh, my God, that made me so happy to see them lose. And you know what even made it better, Tim, was that the Avalanche had trolled us on Twitter the day before, which I'll admit I got a little butthurt about. And as soon as I saw they lost, I went, yeah, that's what you fucking get, Colorado. Screw you. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's 
I was honestly just resigned to the fact that Colorado would probably win the draft, but I don't know. I love how there's a theory going around now that the draft lottery is rigged. Well, no, it's only rigged for teams that Taylor Hall plays for. True, but uh, did you notice that? I think it was if you watched the draft via the NHL streaming service, they accidentally started the stream about a minute early, but they had the test with the with the <coughs> test screen overlay, and the test screen overlay showed who had already won the draft. Really? Yeah. Huh, I did not know that. So people thought that the draft is either rigged or at least or at least determined beforehand. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, obviously the picks of who wins it is obviously determined beforehand. They Like, the league knows about it. It's not like they're just going to be like, okay, let's willy-nilly because let's just start picking in front of people. No, like, they knew. Because, you know, you got to get those cards ready to go, Tim. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it'd be funnier if they did that. Well, Tim, if that was the case, then, you know, it would be like, the first pick goes to the New Jersey Devils. Oh, shit, we don't have their card. Uh, here's a picture of the no, Colorado no. Rockies. You just pull out a ball with the picture of the team on it. It's not that hard. No, I'm honestly cool with the lottery how it is. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be, I think it would be a lot more fun if it was just completely random and nobody, and it was just done on stage. That is true, Tim. That is true. And you know what, Tim? I'm going to bring up a little clip here because when it comes time to the top five actual good things from the 2019-2020 Ottawa Senators, there's actually a clip that I want to play. And maybe maybe I am just pushing it a year early. But I am going to bring it up because I think you are greatly going to appreciate this, Tim. Uh Are you ready? Now this is just a rough. This is honestly just a rough draft of what I was going to use. Okay, late break. Here they won! Yes, they won it! They won it! Yes! I am so using this. If we win the draft next year, I am so using this. Oh, it's going to be amazing! It's going to be amazing. Mark my words, though. If we win it next year, I'm so fucking using that. Yeah. I do, I guess, one thing, I wonder, like, if it's actually, if it's actually rigged, I hope that we get something. Because this team really needs something. Yeah, I know, but, you know, at the end of the day, people think the same about the NBA draft, too. Yeah, no kidding. But the other thing is, in the next year's draft, if if, uh, Columbus resigns Mac Duchesne and sucks... Yeah, well, two chances in that lottery. True. So it's definitely looking something to look forward to. I know. It's almost like we should be doing another list later in the summer, Tim, for that. Maybe a storylines episode. You mean like an introduction to season three? Yes. I like the sound of that. For sure, man. So, Tim, that wraps up my top five list, which means it's time for you to tell us about your top five actual good things from the 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators.
for number five, this was a, a little little red story that came out from some Ottawa season ticket holders. And uh, basically, uh, late in the season, the team had a foodie night. And the interesting thing about the foodie night is a lot of these options became permanent features for the Canadian Tire Cuisine, Canadian Tire Center Cuisine. And food at the CTC has been kind of limited. The best thing they had was a smokes poutineery. And it's out in the middle of Canada, so it's a pain in the ass to go have a nice dinner and then get to the game by 6 p.m. or 7. So the CTC having a lot, a lot of new options, like new different types of churros, different types of new burgers, and other easy-to-eat stuff in the stands is a welcome addition to uh, the Senators game day experience. And anything that makes game day at least a little better is a good thing to happen in my books. Okay, so at number five, you're picking improvements on the game day experience. Yeah, specifically in the food, in uh, different types of food, like, and it's interesting because it's a lot of, there's a bit more ethnic food, a bit more kind of out there food, as well as more vegetarian and vegan options as well. Mm-hmm, because uh, more, uh, the thing is, like, more hockey arenas are doing that nowadays, given that people have been asking for years about vegetarian options or certain foods that have allergens to it. They're now talking to arenas about this. So it is a good idea, and I do see the idea behind it. And honestly, I didn't really think about that, and I'm kind of surprised you're putting it at number five. Yeah, it's also kind of surprising how little else there is that's happened this season. That's good. (laughs) Hey, hey, come on now. I came up with five things. No, I mean, that's for sure. That's true as well. I guess... Yeah, coming in at number four, Ottawa didn't get completely fleeced at the trade deadline. Ottawa pulled in a lot of really good assets, like a lot of solid assets, and honestly, could have been a hell of a lot worse. Mm-hmm. We, like it could have been an, a repeat covered. of the Eric Carlson trade. Oh, for sure. But we, what we we ended up get, like we ended up getting a blue chip prospect out of Vegas in Eric Brandstorm. Potentially two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks, Anthony DeClaire, uh, Abramov, and others. Like, Pierre Dorian didn't do a bad job. Yeah. And that's the saving grace of the Stone, Duchesne, and uh, Dezingle deals is they could have been a lot worse. True. But, I mean, in fairness, and Kelly pointed this out too, is that it was kind of damper by the fact that Pierre Dorian said this is the happiest day he's had as GM of the Senators. Yeah, and honestly, there are some people you shouldn't put in front of a microphone. No. And I don't know how, but the Ottawa Senators have collected a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to put, though, and if this was to say a top seven list, I would put the fact that Pierre Doran actually apologized about that. He said, you know what, I was just really excited of who we got. And, you know, he said keeping them would have been great. So, but... Given that it was like a month or two after the fact, or even a month after the fact that the trades happened, that he finally apologized? Yeah. Like, it's not the best, but for a team as communicatively challenged as senders, it's something. Yeah, exactly. At least we got something. Yeah, and honestly, the trade deadline 
did restore a lot of my faith in Pierre Dorian's ability as a general manager. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? You and I talked about that even in our trade deadline episode. I said because it is true in a vacuum, the deals were great. Obviously, getting Eric Brandstrom, getting Abramoff from Columbus, Anthony Duclair really panned out for us as well. But the fact that Mark Stone goes off to Vegas, signs an eight-year contract, and the statuses of both Dezingle and Duchesne in Columbus are still kind of up in the air. At the moment, it's looking good, but... But at the same time, I mean, the one piece of context that links all of this together is Pierre Dorian was under the under the huge gun. And mm-hmm. that sucks. So given he was able to pull off those trades, given that the whole league knew that the huge gun was put to his head, is frankly impressive. Because that's why the value of like uh, the values of uh, Hoffman and Carlson got so low is everybody knew that Ottawa had to trade them. True. Because of the melt. So the fact that Pierre Dorian got a decent return is frankly impressive. For sure, man. So who do you got at number three, Tim? Number three, it's... I think my number three and two are the same as yours. Uh, the the improved play of Thomas Shabbat and uh, our little ray of sunshine known as uh, Brady Kachuk. Pretty solid. Pretty solid, Tim. And then number one, season series against the Leafs. I'm okay like, with that. The added fact is every time they came to the CTC... They buy up like eighty percent of the tickets and then lose. Yep. Remember, and, remember even the first round against Boston when Toronto bought all the tickets, thinking the Leafs were going to play the Sens in the first round. <laughs> Thanks, Toronto. Thanks, Toronto. But uh, yeah, no. Anything that makes Leaf fans sad makes me happy. I know. The crowd being that quiet in those games—it's like music to my ears, Tim. Yeah, and then uh, Steve Lloyd giving people, giving uh, Toronto fans the fastest directions out of the CTC back to Toronto after each game. Priceless. Oh, that was amazing. That was some good stuff. Oh, did I ever... S- and the best one is, I think it's uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, Mike Bottles, like Mike Bottlesar, I think his name is, uh, he got a screenshot of his DVR of, like, the two saddest Leaf fans ever. And uh, I just post that at one of my buddies who's a Leafs fan every time they lose. Nice. Either that or Manny's Leaf Hulk. (laughs) Have you seen Leaf Hulk? Which one? Uh, It's this really... Basically, it's an existing picture of the Hulk that someone just put turned off all the colors except for blue on in Photoshop and then put a Maple Leafs logo on. I don't think I have, no. And then every time the Maple Leafs lose or, like, really blunder a play, Manuel just post it again. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to send these to you because they're they're amazing. And, like, it's just like every time, like, you have this supposedly powerhouse team losing to the basement of the NHL it's just absolutely amazing and the uh, fan reactions are even funnier true uh, can I add could we just, could, sorry Tim could we add one more selection to this because I think we should include the content of Brian 5 or 6 from this year you mean like the Thomas Shabbat song 
the Thomas Shabbat song, uh, Bobby Ryan, when he smashed at TV after Eric Carls got traded. That's what every fan felt right there, was just taking a shovel to the TV. Honey, are you okay? Honey? Yeah, he's like, where are your pants? He's like, wait, what, what are you doing? We don't need this anymore, honey. We, we're not, we don't want you to do it anymore. He just throws it out the door. <laughs> oh, Brian. I love you. Oh, man. Brian, five or six, got us through the hard times. Yeah. It was really the, did. It was the best of times. It was the bluest of times. You stupid bunky. <laughs> but, no, man. I know it's not really a set, like, it's not a sense sense things, but, yeah, Brian Five or Six has to be, like, he was an, another really good way of, like, getting through the season, but he was also really good at just kind of expressing the frustration that a lot of sense fans were feeling, or just making fun of a kind, kind of ridiculous situation. It's true. I mean, even the uh, the road tripping videos that the Sens made, or... You know, Brian five or six going to the Sens Gala. Good stuff. Another one that like I know like, honestly we should just ditch the list format and talk about good stuff that happened because like Craig Medallia has been doing a fantastic job as social media manager for the Senators. Like as much as I say that the Sens have this weird ability to collect people who can't communicate, Craig's been fucking killed. And we also can't forget Alex Marchant. He does it through music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's it's just it's sad that a lot of there's a lot of hard and good work that goes into making sense product, but he's just been lost due to the complete dysfunction at the top. That's true. That is true, Tim. Yes, so honestly, kudos to this the Sense media staff. I think they're generally doing a good job and uh happy to have them. For sure. And we also can't forget to fa- we can't fail to mention Tim. Not only all of the great work from the Sens media people, but also all the hard work from all the bloggers, the podcasters like ourselves, and Cosper Pointcast, Sens call-ups, making Sens of Sens, shows like that. So we got to give them a shout-out. And, you know, I guess that wraps up our top five actual good things from the 2018-2018 Sens. I honestly have been really happy with the local coverage of the Senators through uh, TS through TSN. It's been fantastic this year. Mm -hmm. And even the fact that TSN anchors will come to the defense of their own when the whole Ian Mendez thing came out with Eugene Melnick. And even James Duthie says, you know what? Like, you're going after somebody who is so well-respected and so well-liked in this community. And this is not cool. Mm -hmm. No, and... Yeah, TSN coverage of the whole situation has been fantastic mm-hmm. and you know we also we get to interview one of them next week so that's going to be a good time yeah no kidding I guess that, that's truly it yeah I guess that's I'll wrap up the episode for today Tim if you don't if you have anything you want to talk about before we head off into the close I don't think I have anything relevant to talk about in the close but I can always find something dumb Oh, uh, you're not going to talk about sil- silicone nut sacks again, are you? No, no. Oh, we did find something really fun, though. What's uh, up? So, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show, but uh, through the first half of Jul- the first half of June, Chelsea and I are going to be uh, heading to Japan, and uh, this will be the first time that we're going north of Tokyo. So we'll be going up to the Hokkaido area. So we've been looking up different 
touristy things we can go. And, and uh, we found something that I think will boggle your mind a little bit, Ted. What's up? So Hokkaido is Tokyo's northernmost prefecture. So you know, like, like how there's like the Japanese islands. There's that one at the top that kind of looks like a dragon head, kind of. Yep. So we're going to that island, and that one's quite rural compared to the rest of Japan. And in the middle of them, and it's quite mountainous as well. So nestled between a few mountains is. Have you ever been to? Like, do you remember back in grade eight when we had to go watch that Anne of Green Gables play? Yes, was that the one where we're, we're firing spitballs over the balcony? Yeah, yeah, but uh, wasn't that ninth grade? Or was it? Yeah, ninth grade. Yeah, yeah. But but there in Japan, there is a full so in PE there's a full on replica of the Anna Green Gables house in in Japan. In rural in rural mountainous Japan. And it's supposed to be, they called it, it's in an abandoned theme park, park called Canada Land. Really? There's a there's a music park in Japan called Canada Land? It, well, Canadian Land, my bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so back in, uh, back in the 90s, uh, like uh, these kind of experiential theme parks, so there's not any rides, but you like walk around, go into built go into buildings and look at stuff were really popular in Japan. So this old coal mining town decided to build one based off of uh, like PEI and Anna Green Gables and call it Canada, Canadian land in the middle of a fucking mountain. Crazy. Is that where you guys are going to be heading to? Yeah, because it's just like the fact that this is a thing is so mind boggling. I can't not see it. You know what? And if I can throw a suggestion out, Tim, I think you should start a vlogging series. When you're over there, just take cool videos on your guys' cell phones and splice them all together in a compilation and throw them up on, say, YouTube or something. I've been thinking about that. Uh, the funniest one would be if, uh, like, like, there's a bunch of other stuff. Like, I didn't realize that Canadian cuisine was a thing. So uh, there's a Canadian restaurant in Tokyo. There's only one, mind you. Well, I guess technically two if you count Robson fries. What kind of food is on that menu, Tim, if it's Canadian cuisine? Uh, I can't read it well enough. But uh. it looks like there's some... Like, I can definitely see, like, smoked meat and some salmon. It's called Whistler Cafe. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, in downtown Tokyo. So I'm gonna... We're traveling with a bunch of American friends, so we're gonna force them to enjoy Canadian cuisine. Nice. And I think they also have an option for uh, 20 bucks, all you can drink beer. So they've really captured Canada. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. You had me at 20 bucks for all you can drink beer. Yeah, and from the pictures, it looks like they have Keiths. Ooh, so I like Keiths. As, as a proud Nova Scotian, I can go in there and be well represented. I don't know if they have lucky honey. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's not a true Canadian experience if they don't have lucky. But if they had Granville Island instead, would it be better? Um, depends on what kind of gravel island beer it is. I mean, it's not like it's Moosehead or something that they would have over there. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Moosehead over just because it is like a Labatt's beer. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I wouldn't drink it though. I'm I'm mostly a Keith's guy. I used to drink Moosehead, but yeah. Yeah, after the Saint the whole Saint John's water incident, I know it's rational, but I'm still not touching it. Fair enough. So Tim, I guess with that being said, we should head off into the close, eh, bud? Yep. Yet oh. again for another night. Absolutely. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger and I'm at greatwhitegipster, g-r-8-w-i-t-e gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about your top five actual good things from the 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jansi. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!